0: Welcome to Maiden Speech. My name is Monica Ferguson, portrait photographer and self love advocate from New Zealand. Each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to uplift and empower you. Thanks for hanging out. Now let's get into it. Hello, friends, and welcome back to Maiden Speech. Now, this week I am going to be talking about turning your pain into power. And I feel like this is such an important thing that we actually start talking about because I'm actually really over this facade, this fakeness that we put up and that we present to each other when actually all of us have stuff going on under the surface, all of us have unresolved pain and insecurities and all this stuff and that if we actually opened up and started talking about these things, we would bust through so many problems. We'd be able to support each other better We would have better community support but also we'd be able to heal we'd be able to heal our own stuff and that is so important because i know that assumptions too are such a a massive issue and this is where social media comes in again that we are all comparing ourselves to each other but no one really knows what the truth is we're only seeing what people are presenting through that facade on social media or however if you see someone once a week at a meeting you don't really know what the truth is you know you don't know you can see that they have perfect clothes and a nice smile you don't know that they didn't cry on the way there you don't know you know we just don't know these things and so this week i'm actually going to make myself quite vulnerable and talk about some things that i've never Talked about before, even things that I've never talked to my husband about up until a couple of weeks ago. And what I've found for me is that the more I delve deeper into my own healing, my own self awareness, my, um, as I move forward within my business I am forced to confront these things you know you can't move forward with pain that's the thing and that's why I feel like what we need to talk about is this transformation process where we take our pain and instead of viewing it as an end point and instead of going into that victim mode which I was there for years and years and years poor me poor me why is this happening to me and actually to be honest that's totally normal yes of course if something horrible happens of course you can do that I feel like The issue is when we stop moving forward. If something horrible happens to you, of course, take the time to heal. Take the time for yourself, but eventually we're going to have to come out of it. Or else we stop moving forward, we stop living. So yeah, I've just noticed that for me lately, things I've been digging up, well not even digging up so much, they've just been presenting themselves to me. And it's been really specific things like certain moments and certain events from my childhood or certain conversations or just flashbacks to things. And so I wanna talk about pain as a starting point for anyone that's following my business you all know where that inspiration came from september 22nd 2007 i was in wellington new zealand and i got a phone call from my uncle which was unusual so he lived about an hour and a half away and he said that he and his wife my auntie wanted to come and see me and i was like oh yeah that's yep i didn't like i thought oh it's a little bit strange but they didn't lead me to believe that anything was up And they used to come, like, sort of halfway and hang out with friends. So I thought, oh, maybe they were just in town. They wanted to see me. Cool. I went to meet them. And I was walking up to the train station. And he jumped out of the car. And he walked up to me. And he was, like, close to tears. And he gave me a massive hug. And he said, I can't even actually remember the exact words, to be honest. At that point, I blacked out. But it was something to the effect of, um, he's gone or... Fergus is dead and it was like what so at that point so Fergus was my brother Stella's my brother of course um he was nine he was on holiday with my mum and my stepdad in England at the time and I was in Wellington at university so what had happened was Fergus had epilepsy and he had had this freak seizure in the train station and literally dropped dead and that was that And so we had learned in our family, like, his epilepsy, like, he'd had it since he was little, like, two or three. So I dealt with his seizures and things, like, in the movies and stuff like that on my own. So the seizure side wasn't scary, but for me, like, I had never even comprehended that he could die from that. And I found out later that actually it was worse than I understood. I was only 18 at the time, so, yeah, I'd found out that he was actually on, like, he was maxed out on his medications and things like that. And yeah, so that was that was a day that I will never forget. That was the worst day of my life for sure. And then the months and the years that came after that obviously were horrendous. And this is my biggest pain, you know? And the things around it. So at that point, so my mum, you know, she was in England and they had to start sorting out these issues around what do you do? Do you bring the body back? What about the funeral? Da 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 da. And then the, the question of should I go over there and did I want to see him and all that sort of thing. And we decided in the end that because by the time I got there, it was going to be a couple of days. And we, I didn't really want that memory in my head, you know. So I decided to stay here and it was the weirdest time like I went to university the next day, my tutor was like, what are you doing here? I was like, well, what else am I gonna do? Like sit around at home. I um, My oldest friend came to stay with me and and it was just like time stood still. Like I didn't know how to feel, I felt nothing. I didn't even feel sad at that point. I felt numb because i didn't understand that it had actually happened because it had happened on the other side of the world as well it was like this isn't real and it wasn't real until i was at home and my mum my stepdad came home without him and that was like the sickening moment of it you know truly hitting home like oh my gosh he's not here and so then a couple of days after that um was his funeral that was, I think, pretty much blacked out. I can't even remember most of that. And then after that, so it was the day after the funeral that I remember so well. Waking up the next morning and hung over, like, oh my gosh, hung over like nobody's business. We had partied hard that night before. <laughs> um, waking up and with that realisation, like, there was a massive hole in my life now. And that everyone else had just got up and gone back to work. And it was like, what do I do now? You know, like, I don't even know who I am now. How do I move forward? So I didn't, I I mean, I didn't move forward for a long time. I drank a lot of vodka. I shut down and for me, actually, my preferred mask, well, one was vodka, the other one was keeping busy. So I took on every shift that I could at work. I worked like six or seven days a week. I just worked, worked, worked every single day. And just to keep my mind occupied as much as I could, you know, and I remember one day, because my boss, husband and wife, they were friends with my mum. And I remember mum coming in, because it was a cafe, Came coming in one day and seeing the scene unfold in front of me, because how do you comfort someone who's just lost their son? You know, and seeing this very like emotional thing in front of me and I remember getting so angry because I was like how dare you like bring that into my one safety place you know so as time went on like I got some bad boyfriends and stuff like that to just help things along and then I was confronted with a very big and weighty decision so my mum and my stepdad had decided to move to America for his work And this was four or five months or so after Fergus had died. So all of us were in such a bad way, still. Like, such a bad way. My mum basically lay on the couch and watched BBC News all the time. And my stepdad lay in the bath and just had baths. And so we were completely separate, like, and I went to work all the time. And that was it. We just, we were all zombies, just shut down. And so at that point, I had to decide whether I would move to America or not. And I thought that given that the rest of my family were here and given the state that I was in, I didn't think that moving to a new country and having to make new friends and start over essentially was going to be the best move. And so I stayed here. That only lasted for, I think, about a year. And then I moved to America for a year and decided that wasn't for me and came home. And I, from there, started working in mental health and wanting to support people who were really struggling and going through depression especially. And that was amazing, that taught me so much. And so that, interestingly, really connected back to what I do now as a photographer, and I didn't realise, but in my mental health work, what I was learning was how to connect to people, how to make them feel safe, how to build trust, how to build rapport, how to make people feel important, and that's exactly what I do with my clients now. Every single person who sits down in front of my camera needs reassurance, needs to feel safe and important. And so I have, you know, a matter of seconds really to set the tone for the whole day. So everything, you know, comes together. But what I really want to get at is that my jump from waking up the day after the funeral to having a business that's inspired by you know wanting to create a legacy for him wanting to make sure that people are actually taking time to exist in photographs because no one expected my nine-year-old brother to drop dead like that no one right and so i'm like all of us have lost someone so close to us and so important to us. Do you wish that you had more photographs of them? Of course we all do. And it's like, well, why aren't we taking time to really slow things down and be present and celebrate those people that we have now? Not waiting until we've lost weight. Not waiting until whatever. Stop waiting. It doesn't even have to be A professional photographer get an iphone you know have someone else take a shot just just create some memories because literally you know everyone says at the end of their life no one regrets the work not doing and more work or you know they regret not taking chances not telling people how they feel and that's one of the biggest things that i learned through this process was my family my extended family are not i would say not good communicators in terms of the emotional stuff, like the hard stuff, they'll, they'll show up and they'll be there. But for me, when all that stuff happened, so, you know, I had moved into a flat. I was still working. Um, I had my plans were to go to university before Fergus died. And then I was just like, there's not a chance. Like, I can barely get out of bed. Um, I'm not I'm not in a state to go and do a degree. So I decided to study because my, my end goal was always to be a counsellor at that point but I was too young to get into the counselling programme so I thought, cool, I'll study mental health for the year. So I was working part-time and I was studying in mental health. And that year was probably the most horrific year of my entire life. My levels of depression were crippling absolutely crippling. I got so low, I I got very close to attempting suicide twice. I'd written two letters on two separate occasions and I had never felt more alone or more insignificant ever in my entire life. And the reason I say this is that when it comes to pain, right, I can still remember that feeling of just feelings like nothing, like no one cared about me, that if I actually died, no one would even notice that I was gone. You know, that pain is so real still because that was that was the truth for me at that point. And I was so like, even if there were people around me, I wouldn't have noticed. I couldn't have seen it. I was broken. I was absolutely devastated. And so, but the thing about pain, there was a movie, I think it's Little Miss Sunshine, where they were talking about how you don't learn anything when things are going well. And looking back now, that time, that pain really turned a light on for me around who I actually feel that I am and what I feel like my purpose is here. And as far as that pain thing went of, of being really depressed and feeling really alone, I knew that I wanted to be someone who said things out loud. You know, how many of us walk around thinking lovely things about people and we never say them? You see something amazing online, but you don't reach out and say, that's incredible, congratulations. You, you think it, right? We're not saying these things. We're not communicating. We're not supporting each other. And actually, our one little comment might be the best thing that has happened to that person for a whole week. But our inability to get over ourselves and our fear of putting ourselves out there is holding us back. And that experience, when I honestly, so alone, I never want someone to feel like that. I never want anyone to feel that ever again. So that was kind of the motivation for getting into mental health was driven by that to a point because I wanted to help people feel better. I wanted to help them take their lives back. And I guess at the same time, I was doing that for myself. And what I noticed was that, you know, when you're doing things for other people, when you're giving to other people, it helps you. You feel good. And so by helping other people to heal, I was actually able to start healing myself. So from there, yeah, I worked in mental health for five years. I grew up a lot. I grew up very quickly. You see a lot. You learn a lot. You hear a lot of things. And that was actually what, what pushed me into photography anyway. So I had two clients who were little avid photographers and they started asking me if we could use their support time to go out and take photographs and there was one moment where I was up standing at this lookout with my client who yeah really became a friend more than anything and she said oh do you want to have a play with my camera and she handed her camera to me and I picked it up and I took this photo of this island covered in sunshine and it was like this lightning bolt went through my whole body and it was like I looked at this camera as an extension of me and I thought how on earth have I survived this long without you and it was literally like a switch went on and all of a sudden I just started seeing the world differently I started looking at yeah reflections and puddles and and Actually, my obsession for paths began. Every time I'd see a path, I'd have to take a photo of it. I'm still like that now. If I ever have access to a path, I will always put my client on it. And it was like, just kept building up, building up. And at the time, I actually really wanted to move uh, into the city, which was about an hour away, to be with my now husband. And so I was frantically searching for new jobs in the city and could not get one i i got about 70 rejection emails i couldn't even get an interview and i was just like what is going on and so my confidence took a massive hit but then i thought okay i believe that everything happens for a reason so if this door is not opening then it's not meant to so i'm just going to stop forcing it for a minute and just focus on being grateful for what i do have and as all these things were happening my clients introduced me to the school which was a photo school which happened to be on the same block as my office and I went in and had to support them with meetings and things and the owner of the school started trying to recruit me and I, so, I sort of thought oh, whatever you know salesman not interested but it was just this thing that built up and built up to this point where my gut was just like you need to quit your job and go and study photography and so I said okay And I did and then the next day I got a phone call for a job interview and they were basically ready to hire me on the spot. So I thought isn't that interesting. So I went and studied and man that was hard. That was so so hard. Much harder than university. But through that there is one one tutor I had in particular. Her name's MJ and she taught us this abstract paper which at the time I honestly had such an attitude about because I thought, how is this gonna help me start a business? You know, it was like we're in class colouring in um photo, like pictures upside down with the wrong hand. I'm like building things at the beach and sand. I'm like, what is this? But what that was doing was teaching us to see and to think differently, teaching us to use metaphors, not being so obvious, you know. Um, it's searching for meaning and it's and creating meaning and all these things that I am such a geek about now. And she was one of the most important people in my photography journey if not the most important person and so as part of her paper we did this this assignment which was called the major project and we had like four months or so to basically take a concept photograph it check in with her every week create it It had to be abstract so it couldn't be super obvious it was it's essentially storytelling and So I thought, well, you know, I don't really do things by halves. So if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it properly. And I thought, what if I did this about Fergus and my process of grieving him? Because at that point, I'd use music a lot to, you know, write songs and express myself and that sort of thing. But I thought, what would it look like? And so I started this project and it was incredibly painful and incredibly healing and amazing. And so Fergus had a little girlfriend. Um, he actually had two, but his main one who I wanted him to marry, her name was Mel. And if you follow my work, you'll see her everywhere. I still photograph her now. She's got long, curly, red hair and she's amazing. But I as part of this project i reached out to her and i reached out to one of his best friends and i asked them if they would want to be a part of it so they both said yes and so i remember standing in this park so next to our house there was a memorial bench put up for him with a plaque in his name and i met them there and they were 17 or so Um, and i hadn't seen them since they were nine years old and so i see them walking towards me and it was like you know fighting back tears but so amazing. So, so, so amazing. And so I photographed them and I, I took all these photos and I took significant moments. Like, you know, at a funeral, after a funeral, everyone sends you flowers. You get flowers, your whole house is just filled with flowers. And then everyone goes back to their lives and you are left with a house filled with dead flowers. And I remember that feeling really well. And so I took photos of dead flowers, like in a stream floating away that's the sort of thing that I did I took my funeral dress and I put it on a washing line on a really windy day and captured the motion and so I put this whole thing together and we had to present it to the class which included like university students and so I was absolutely terrified absolutely terrified I was like my heart on a slideshow you know and I'm being assessed on it and so I made this slideshow we're in the classroom lights go out hit play lights come back on people were crying and I was like I couldn't understand why because I thought this isn't like it's abstract it's not obvious I haven't put a, a cemetery in a church but it was the first time that I made that connection around meaning and feeling and being able to tell stories with our images and that people feel what I feel when I create them and it was amazing like it was the first time and I thought wow I could actually take this and create a whole business around helping people to feel something so I thought what if I if I was photographing a person who didn't feel worthy who didn't feel beautiful or good enough or significant and I could view her as all of those things as powerful, as beautiful, as kind, as generous. And I could feel those feelings when I photographed her. And then I could take photos of her and show them back to her. What would happen? What happens is absolute magic. It's transformation. It is so powerful. Because there are mentors of mine that said, never show the back of your camera to your clients. And I could not disagree more. Because when you show the back of your camera to your client, there is no wiggle room. They can't say, oh, you've edited these. This is you fresh out of my camera. Look how radiant and beautiful. And so the more that I get to know my clients beforehand, the more of that feeling I can put in there. And so that's taking my pain and transforming it into a legacy for Fergus, but also something that yeah, gives me such purpose and is so rewarding and is going to help people. And so as time has gone on, I've realized that I'm actually not really a photographer though. Like I use a camera. But that's not my mission and that is not my purpose. My purpose is to connect people back to knowing how worthy they are, how perfect they are just as they are, how it doesn't matter what size you are, how old you are. It doesn't matter how many times you think you have failed. You know, I, in that moment, have the power to show someone with a camera their own beauty their own power and it's very intuitive like I do different things for different people some people it is about creating stillness some for some people it's about showing them as powerful it's about cutting through the facades and showing that deep you know the realness underneath and so my you know I changed my last name to Ferguson because I wanted his name to be in my name and so when I named my business and I say Monica Ferguson Photography and I stand up and I talk about I'm Monica from Monica Ferguson Photography it's my little nod to Fergus but it's also my reminder every time of why I do what I do you know and because of course like the more people that I photograph the more stories I get about my photograph being the last one ever taken of someone who then unexpectedly died, or it was the only photograph taken ever, you know? So talk about rewarding, you know? And isn't it so much better to to take that pain of losing him and create something beautiful with it? So it wasn't wasted. I mean, and in saying that, it's very easy for me to say this now, but at the time, it took me years. I was 18 when he died, And I would say it took me five years to get my act together. I failed a lot, you know? Well, I don't don't really like the word failed, but I made a lot of mistakes. And I had to learn a lot about my own worthiness and my own strengths and my own value. And that's the hardest part. And I feel like that's where pain can often hold us hostage because we let it stop us. We we think, oh, well, that person broke up with me. Therefore, I'm not good enough. So what is the point? My parents don't love me. Therefore, I'm not good enough. And we look at all these external things and I do not want to discredit anyone's pain because pain is pain, you know? It's there, all of us have it, but what if we can learn new ways of of viewing it and learn that we're actually in control. We actually have the power and the ability to take these things that can almost kill us, almost destroy us, and that we have the ability to connect back into the truth, to connect back into what's important and who we really are, you know? What would happen? if instead of worrying about what everyone else thinks and what everyone else is doing, because pain likes to grab onto other painful things to build itself up. So yeah, like when I, you know, when I was in that really, really low depressed place, it's always gonna remind you, when you think a thought for seven seconds, more thoughts like it come to you. So when you think I'm unworthy, I'm insignificant, no one loves me. And insignificant was the word that I always felt, so that's why I keep using it. But when I felt like that, I'm focused on that, I'm focused on I'm nothing. So then I get more thoughts, and so and so doesn't even call you. You know, when I when I was in that depressed state, I which lasted for years, years and years and years, no one came to visit me. No one. I actually was alone. It was my tutor, my mental health tutor, who called my mum in America to say, I'm really worried about Monica. Imagine, like, imagine if he hadn't done that. Because no one came to me, you know? And I just think, that is unacceptable. Like, we cannot let ourselves be that disconnected from each other. So my feelings of being insignificant were actually being validated by people around me. My family who lived 20 minutes down the road who didn't come to see me. And, I mean, that's just a fact, That is just a fact. And what I do want to say about that too, though, is that people don't know what's going on under the surface. And even if they do, people are not always good at having these real conversations. They don't want to see you cry. They don't know how to deal with that. So it's easier to just hang back and sort of think someone else will step in. That's not my style. and But again, that's the lesson that I learned from this is that I will go out of my way to make sure that the people who are close to me always feel supported and always feel like I have their back because that's the most important thing. So pain taught me so much. And yeah, instead of letting it break me, forever. I mean, it did break me for several years. But now it's teaching me more and more and more. And because the ne- the higher levels that you go to, there's more pain. It's not like you have one painful thing in your life and you're like, "Feel that one's over. I'm out of the way now. Everything is going to be smooth sailing." Does not work like that at all. The next levels you go to, you're like I said at the right at the start. All of these painful things from the past are now coming up because they haven't been healed. They haven't haven't been resolved you can't keep going to higher levels while you're still carrying old baggage and old hurt so that's why i'm having this conversation because as i am moving to higher and higher levels in my business and starting this podcast was massive for me because i'm completely vulnerable i'm completely putting myself out there and you know what it actually feels good it feels really good because I'm having honest conversations. This is what I want to say. This is what I've always wanted to say. It's almost like you want to hug people and kind of slap them at the same time, sometimes. Because okay, if you have pain, cool what is it there to teach you and for especially when we're grieving pain is inevitable that if you love someone if you love something it's going to hurt it's going to hurt so much when you lose it and at the same time while not wanting to diminish anyone's pain i also don't want people to stay stuck you know? Like, if you have had a terrible relationship, and you've come out of it, but you're still, like, not moving forward, you're still in a victim state, and it's been over a year, you're losing. The world is missing out on what you have to offer. You aren't fulfilling your own purpose, and, you know, what's the point? Like, you haven't learned from it. You need to turn that, practice some self-awareness, look at it, what was that there to teach you? What created that? What, how have you grown through that? And then move forward because it is absolutely critical and talk to people about it but also just just refuse to stay stuck I don't know if that comes across as brutal maybe it does if you're in that position you probably do think that's brutal but what I've talked about today in terms of my own story is only a tiny bit of the stuff that I've been through and I feel like if I can figure out a way to turn this around and move forward anyone can literally anyone can do it and if we can just talk to each other about these things and if you're struggling man i have your back i'm here to help you a hundred percent if you are ready to start moving forward and you want you want a shoulder to cry on give me a call i'll be there but we just have to allow ourselves to be vulnerable you know you just have to It's the only way and it's the only way we're going to grow and we're going to learn and we're going to be able to take that pain and transform it into purpose, into something bigger than us and create new meaning around it. So I'm going to leave that there. And I hope that this has added some value and that the right people will hear it and take some sort of inspiration from it. But thank you guys so much for showing up and I will be back next week. Thanks guys. Bye.